Speakers and similar sound-producing devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any persons responsible for the ringing or use of a cell phone pager or other similar sound-producing electronic device. Please do not just place it in vibrate mode as it continues to interfere with the AV equipment. The first item of business is a call to order and roll call. President Gillespie. Here. Vice President Breslin is excused. Commissioner Benjamin is expected. Commissioner Oneto. Here. Commissioner Pack. Present. Commissioner Suval is expected. Commissioner Tom. Here. And congratulations on your appointment. Uh, Thank you. Once again, Commissioner Tom. Okay. Uh, the. Down, um, let me just briefly, uh, because this is a special time, we usually don't make during the day, and a lot of people have things to do later on in the day. We're gonna. My goal today is to try to be done by one o'clock. So. Um, we may not have the longest public comment time on anything, uh, everything here today, but that's my goal, so I just want to put that out there so people can be aware of that. Thank you. Okay, so we'll be calling a couple items um, out of order. Um, first of all, um, as to the consent calendar, perhaps we should announce the, re the continuances now? Yes. Okay. So if you're here to, on any of the items, that these items will be continued, and you can announce those. So the consent calendar, um, unfortunately, uh, due to a, a clerical error, uh, which is unfortunate, um, a page to the memorandum for the consent calendar was left out of the Commission's packet, specifically page two of the consent calendar memorandum. Items B3, um, B1, and B8 were contained on that uh, memorandum. Now, as to B1 and um, B3, there are uh, extensive facts that are detailed as to those. Um, B3 has also requested continuance on his own motion. And B1 has extensive facts. Um, in addition, um, my office has been in contact with uh, Mitch Katz about some of the issues, and there will be more information forthcoming from him. So that item uh, will be, have to be continued because of the factual nature that was described in that. As to B8, uh, while there, are, there were a couple of facts detailed, um, it's not as extensive. Uh, there's only one fact, really, to report beyond um, the actual um, facts of the person's shifts that he drove. Uh, so, as to B8, I uh, don't, I don't think that it should be continued, um, but that's at your discretion. Um, it was listed on there too, but it, there's only one fact to report. So, okay. Alba six and seven. It's uh, uh, pending clearance. So. Oh, pending oh, clearance is the background check. Okay. That's we yeah. We routinely approve those pending clearance. And, oh, and okay, good, good. Yeah. Good. Just want to make sure. So. Um, so one and three will be. Uh, B1 and B3 will be continued. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, those are the only changes to the agenda yes. beyond moving um, what move, will be. Uh, item 5, call that now so that uh, we can. Item 5 is recommendations from the taxi advisory group. This is an information item. And um, we have a guest also from SFMTA. Um, I'll just remove myself to the lower podium to discuss this. Sure. Good afternoon, commissioners and members of the public. Um, so I'm Jordana Thigpen. I'm the executive director of the San Francisco Taxi Commission. And I have here as well um, SFMTA um, staff member Corey Marshall. Um, he was served as staff to the taxi advisory group. Um, and I was asked by SFMTA to sort of just give a general overview of the recommendations. We also have members of the taxi advisory group here. 
Um, I'm just going to briefly summarize what's in the final recommendations. Uh, I was not a voting member of that committee, but I did attend all of the meetings. And uh, I'll just kind of go over, generally over um, what happened with that. Um, basically, as you know, um, the merger was first discussed back in, um, was first, you know, the idea first came about in August of 2007 from Mayor Newsom. Um, in anticipation of Proposition A, but also on the mayor's own motion, he feels that this is really a policy that's going to bring a lot of efficiency and, um, you know, streamline our transportation, our surface network, um, surface transportation network in the city and county of San Francisco. And for that reason, he really believes strongly that the merger is something that um, is going to really improve the industry and serve the public as well. So uh, he convened um, a staff group comprised of representatives of the Taxi Commission, SFMTA, representatives of the Mayor's Office, City Attorney, etc. That met and came up with a host of uh, recommendations and um, potential, uh, you know, policies that could be adopted uh, as far as the administrative aspects. However, um, then the merger legislation was heard in May. And at that time, uh, the Board of Supervisors felt that, you know, really a, a little bit more needed to be fleshed out, a little, mo little bit more information about how exactly the functions of what is now the Taxi Commission would continue were it to be enveloped by SFMTA. So a taxi advisory group was convened to advise on the business aspects of the merger. And that met, and I, I have to say, it was an outstanding group. Uh, we, it was really productive discussions, uh, credible meetings. We, we really got a lot done. Not everyone agreed, and there were some heated discussions at times, but everyone was extremely respectful and professional. It was just, I can't say enough good things about that, that process. So if that's what we have to look forward to for the, uh, the taxi um, advisory group or council, as it may be called, going forward once we're merged with the SFMTA, then I think that it's going to be an outstanding process. So... Um, just briefly, some of the things that were uh, considered, and, and by the way, uh, we did receive this this week, and so we got it to you as quickly as we could. These recommendations that were sent to you and that were posted online, they will be integrated into the document that you saw before, which was the merger plan that was, you know, kind of detailing what the commission does now and some of the things for the future. Those will all be integrated into a single document, and in fact, it will be presented on Tuesday, November 4th at the SFMTA board meeting, that document. As soon as that document is available, I will send you all copies and post it on our website as well for the industry to review. Okay. So... Um, Mr. Marshall, Corey is here to answer any questions, um, but I'll just go through these briefly. Um, there were several things that were considered by the Taxi Advisory Group. Number one was the disciplinary procedure. Obviously, uh, for many years, this has been the subject of uh, numerous um, you know, hearings and um, both the, the substance of it and the process of it. So um, there has been some recommendations to divide offenses into level one and levels um, two and, and then level three. Um, and there would be different appeals processes with hearing officers, a panel or a single hearing officer, depending on the level of offense. And uh, any suspension or revocation of a permit is appealable under charter to the Board of Appeals. So that is a process right now that is ordained by charter. And it's, it's described in detail there. Now, as far as the, which offenses are level one and levels two and three, that has not yet been decided. And we, didn't, we got into that a little bit, but that, that there's obviously many, many discussions that need to take place around that. The industry contribution, um, this was regarding the fees. Uh, the recommendation from the group was that the fees should be frozen at fiscal year 2009 levels for the next four years. 
MTA is on, SFMTA is on a two-year budget cycle. So that's why it was decided for the four years. Um, the merger timing, uh, it was felt that 90 days was an appropriate amount of time. If the Board of Supervisors heard the merger legislation again in November, as it is expected to do, that would place the 90 days out until March. So the commission would continue to meet. Uh, staff would continue to work with uh, the new director, assuming one is hired um, by that time. Um, you know, that is still an unknown as well. So we would continue to do our part as well in the office to effectuate the merger, as well as serve the commission, assuming it continued to exist until March. Um, most importantly um, for, for, the, uh, for the industry and for the public as well, there is a recommendation to form an advisory body known as the Taxi Advisory Council or Taxi Advisory Group or whatever it, it ultimately ends up uh, being, being called. This would advise the board on industry-specific policy issues. Now, this, is, this was probably the subject of some of the most heated discussion is the composition of this body. Would it be comprised of uh, majority drivers, majority public, majority medallion holders, majority company owners, a combination thereof? What is the appropriate ratio, et cetera? And there was a lot of discussion about this. Uh, in the end, the, uh, the, the board did, the group did vote to recommend that it be comprised of four color scheme representatives, three medallion or permit holder representatives, three drivers, and four, I'm sorry, five public representatives. And uh, I'm sure that there will be some public comment on that specific, those specific um, numbers and why they were arrived at and, and uh, the justice um, as to those particular numbers and composition thereof. Um, additionally, uh, there was a recommendation for um, uh, paratransit services, namely not to change anything. Um, accessible services is a self-contained unit within SFMTA right now. It's under external affairs and it's functioning quite well. It has an excellent staff that has served um, in some cases for many years in those roles and it was felt that they're doing an excellent job with the assistance of the Paratransit Coordinating Council and so no changes are proposed at this time. Um, at least that's the, the group's recommendation. As far as permit issuance and revocation, um, obviously again the subject of uh, many hearings and both again both the substance and the process and we had some excellent discussions about this and arrived at um, what everyone felt is, a, is a really a process that is, is going to give as much due process, as much notice, as much opportunity to be heard and even allowing for a peer review process from, from the Tax Advisory Council. This would not be in a quasi-judicial role as the Commission currently is. It's important to distinguish that. However, uh, this process would allow for um, individuals to look at it and if there's, if there's discrepancies or evidence that you know, maybe somebody um, isn't seeing, but maybe someone in the industry with years of experience could offer that expertise, that's the role there for that peer review. Um, additionally, as far as regulatory transition, um, Obviously, there's going to be um, substantial code revisions that need to take place. Uh, I've not been shy about advocating, as you know, that our code is in dire need of revision, uh, mostly because, and then I'm not even talking about the substance at this point, just because there's a lot of provisions there that are very, uh, shall we say, outdated, reference to steamships and uh, public resorts, um, while uh, charming, are not necessarily um, 
allowing us to really effectuate our goals of serving the public, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So obviously many codes and many rules are going to need to be combined into one body of law under SFMTA, so that would need to take place as well. But obviously one of the recommendations was that we continue everything just as it is. No dramatic policy changes, no sweeping substantive changes. Those can be coming in later with the recommendation if, if, it's, if it's obtained or if necessary of the tax advisory group. But everything should be status quo to make the transition as smoothless and seamless as possible. Smooth, sorry. Uh, additionally, uh, lost and found. This is an area for um, you know, some, some excellent uh, consolidation of resources. MTA right now has a, a problem with lost and found on muni buses. And so where consolidation can occur, this is an example of the type of streamlining and efficiencies that can occur. But for now, uh, preserving the status quo. And actually, as you'll see in my staff report, there's going to be a couple small changes to lost and found, which I'll go into later and not here. But those have not been adopted yet. So, um, And additionally, communications. Um, it's really important that everyone understands what's happening with the merger. Uh, for several months now, I've been getting questions from other department heads, from staff of the city, from the public. You know, aren't you merged yet? You know, what's happening? I thought you were merged. You know. There isn't, um, there isn't a lot of information. There hasn't been a lot of information rolled out yet because there hasn't really been anything to announce. But assuming that the board does approve the merger, it's especially important that we adopt a communications plan and convey the information to everyone in the city, to the public, the riding public that is, to drivers, to the color schemes, um, you know, to, uh, to everyone, really, to, to the media and, you know, possibly have someone do a story on it so that people really understand what's happening, that this is something that we're doing to improve the industry and to help everyone succeed. And um, finally, a list of items for future consideration, which I won't go into for brevity's sake, um, but obviously there's a lot of work to do, and SFMTA has, uh, has indicated that um, they, are, they are up for the challenge, uh, but... It's up to the Board of Supervisors at this point. There's no date yet set to hear the merger legislation again in November, but it's expected that that will occur uh, shortly. And, of course, as soon as I know that date, I will advise everyone of it. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, Jordana. Yeah. Corey Marshall, also from the MTA, is here. Corey, would you like to say a few words? Um, certainly. So I'm Corey Marshall. I'm Policy Administration Manager. Uh, good morning, Commissioners. Um, the MTA undertook this process, as Jordana said, um, so that uh, the MTA was aware of all the issues that would be uh, necessary to effectuate the merger. So we were dealing primarily with just the not, not the kind of farther-reaching policy issues that are of concern to the industry, as uh, Jordana alluded to, but mostly to the kind of functional, uh, ch not changes, but functional adaptations that would need to take place so that we could adapt the structure of the or excuse me, adopt the structure that was taking place uh, under the Taxi Commission into the MTA. So, you know, within those, within those parameters, we were, we were attempting to just make this as painless as possible for everybody, make this uh, a streamlined process so that we could effectuate the merger as quickly as possible. So I can take any questions on any of these items that you might have. No, thank you, and thank you, Jordana, for your presentation. I think, you know, this is titled a draft recommendations. I think there's going to be any number of hearings um, from now on, 
even at the Taxi Commission, if we're on for a few more months, we can get into some of the details of this proposal and go into more depth. The Board of Supervisors, it'll probably go to a committee there, and this transition is going to be a process that people have all sorts of opportunity to, uh, you know, give their input on. Um, are there any questions from commissioners before we go to public comment? And again, I apologize that I'm going to limit public comment today because this, there's a few things on the agenda and we're not obviously going to have time to give everyone a full opportunity to comment on each and every one of the recommendations here. But uh, it's my intent to <coughs> follow up on this for as long as we're in place and to make sure that any hearings that happen at the Board of Supervisors level, at the MTA level, uh, have full taxi industry participation and transparency and knowledge beforehand so people can have their views known. Can you just go over again? This is going to be presented to the MTA board this coming Tuesday. Is that this right? coming Tuesday in an integrated document that um, we're preparing uh, to, can you integrate, to integrate the recommendations into that original merger document that was proposed several months ago. Can you announce the details on where and when that will be on Tuesday? Uh, it's actually going to be an off-site meeting. Yeah, it's at the Southeast Community Facility, and it's um, I believe it's at 11 or 9 o'clock. It starts really early in the morning, and normally it would start at. Uh, you know, I guess it would be 2 o'clock, but I feel like the time is different. Um, but I'll email out to our entire list when that is, if that would be helpful. Okay. Yeah. We're just, I'm just there for information. I'm, I mean, neither of us is scheduled to give a presentation on it. So. Okay. So yeah. that is probably. It's an unusual. The, yeah, we know it's an annual board commission meeting out there at one time, and it was. It's out. It's actually really convenient for the industry, <laughs> because most of the yards oh, are out in that land. area. Yeah, it's yeah. out there. So okay. It's actually. Well, hopefully we can get that posted the exact time, sure. and, and uh, it is Tuesday, and uh, the address of that. So people, if they want to attend, they can. Okay, commissioners, any questions? Okay, I'm going to take public comment for anyone who would like to public comment on this. Uh, can I see a show of hands of people who want a public comment on this? Okay. I, again, I apologize. I'm going to limit it to two minutes. Okay. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director, and members of the public. Um, my name is Fina Duval, and I'm an employment attorney at the Asian Law Caucus, which, as many of you know, is the um, nation's <coughs> oldest legal and civil rights organizations serving low-income Asian Pacific Islander communities. I'm also um, a fifth-year PhD candidate at the Jurisprudence Department at the University of California at Berkeley School of Law, um, actually doing research into the taxi industry in San Francisco. So I'm actually here to, um, to comment briefly on uh, the recommend details of the recommendations proposed by TAG. Um, as an organization that has long represented workers in various capacities, the Asian Law Caucus is opposed to the lack of representation of drivers on the proposed advisory committee. As it stands, the committee would only reserve three seats for drivers, four seats would go to companies, and three to medallion owners, two groups whose interests often coincide. The remaining five seats are allocated to the public. This means that drivers would need all five of the public votes to prevail over a unanimous block of company medallion votes on any single issue, and I hear from various members of um, of the TAG committee that, you know, companies and medallion owners have large economic interests, um, and that's why they're so well represented. And I would just offer to the commission today that actually the 7,000 drivers in San Francisco whose livelihoods and whose families' livelihoods depend every day on the recommendations and regulations of um, whatever body 
governs the industry, that they have strong economic interests and should be adequately represented. Also briefly, the Asian Law Caucus feels that the four-year budgetary freeze for regulators of the taxi industry would leave little to no room for improvement. My understanding is that the MTA and the taxi mission and the MTA are merging to improve and streamline this process, as Jordana and Corey stated. And we fear that if there were a budgetary freeze, no new staff or badly needed policemen or women in the taxi detail could be hired, and that this would actually be detrimental to the industry. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next speaker, just come right up ahead. I'm not going to call out names. Hi. My name is Ron Walter. I'm a full-time driver and Prop K permit holder. And I have not given public comment here in quite some time because I've been busy minding my own business, which is going pretty well, actually. First of all, I agree completely with the previous speaker that the drivers are underrepresented on this proposal, and company management is overrepresented. And one thing that really scares me, since it's Halloween here, one thing that's really kind of scary about this whole thing is that under the MTA, when the thing gets moved over to the MTA, the commissioners there would be able to overturn any ordinance. They would be able to make rules that would change Proposition K, which I believe in my case is working very well. And in a lot of cases it's working very well. And it's one of the best things about this industry that you have owner-operators in this industry. And I'm afraid that over time, as things get moved over to the MTA, that the company ownership might end up having some sway and asking for corporate permits, or other groups would overturn the full-time driver requirement. So I would recommend that you not make the change to the MTA, or you recommend to the Board of Supervisors that the change not be made. And I'm not sure, you know, this thing of efficiency, you know, there's very little overlap between taxis and muni. I mean, I've talked to people in the cab about it, and they go, you know, muni commission, why would you be under muni? It just doesn't make any sense to them. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, thanks. I'm Dave Barlow with Taxi Workers. And I have a few sentences. And my remarks are about the seats that comprise the advisory council. Because of the balance of the seats on the council, an item that came to the council that would cause cab companies to expend resources or to reallocate resources, an item like that would fail. So the draft recommendation promulgates the status quo. And for cab drivers, we'll face declining earnings and we'll face new burdens. And status quo for taxi service. Any service improvement 
for callers and riders in the Richmond district, for example, those improvements would, would come in rare and tiny increments. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Supervisors. Robert Chisana, Yellow Cab. Um, you know, you have a unique opportunity. You've got three months to clean up some of your rules and regulations and get things in the form of information to drivers and to companies. If somebody were to review the television tapes for the last six years or five years, we spend most of our time going round and round in circles arguing as to what the rules are or how they should be applied, whether it's the application of a permit or disciplinary action. And the best example I can give you of that, at least a year, maybe a year and a half ago, I gave all the then commissioners a copy of a yellow printed waybill and I asked them if that was acceptable proof that I had driven it had my name on it it had my signature on it it had the cab number and everything we have no response to that kind of thing and so what we do both at the taxi commission and for owners we go around scratching our head wasting our time, wasting the Commission's time because most of the rules are open to interpretation and even when you go to a hearing officer people end up throwing their arms up. So you've got three months, let's see if we could clear up and clarify the rules. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good morning. My name is Pat McCollum. I'm um, here with really a binocular point of view this morning. Um, currently a part-time taxi driver, but for many more years I was a heavy cab user as I was writing software in the financial district, working long hours and relying on cab service to get me home in the middle of the night uh, to get me there on time. And um, now that I'm driving, I've talked with hundreds of other passengers and I find that their concerns are very much what mine were and remain. Um, we see the driver as really the foundation of this industry. And if their needs aren't addressed, then the whole system is, is really shaky. Um, a 20% representation on this committee just seems really inadequate to me. Um, <clears throat> it's a flaw in the design that um, concerns me is it seems like the sort of bug that you really can't fix once the system goes live. So I'm here to, today to exhort you to um, reconsider the makeup of this committee and to um, grant the drivers who are, who are out there sweating and working every day and providing a necessary service to the citizens a greater voice in this committee. Thank you. Thank you. Just to clarify, um, you know, these are recommendations from the Taxi Advisory Group. The, this board, this commission is not going to actually be voting on these recommendations. and. Given the third draft recommendations, I'm sure that everyone's interested to hear what people have to say about uh, this because it was a small, relatively small group of people who drafted these regulations or these recommendations. So, part of this process is to get everyone, get more voices into the into the mix. 
Thank you, yeah. Carl. Carl McMurray. Tomorrow, that's a great outfit. I like that. The, uh, I suffered through every um, session of the taxi advisory group, and Corey Marshall here from MTA in Jordana, Jane Bolix here, Charles Rathlin, Paul Gillespie, everyone who attended. We all had a lot of open discussions and back and forth, and I thought it was very fair. Uh, I would say about the makeup of the Taxi Advisory Commission, um, what I see as a positive is that 10 of the 15 slots will be people from the industry, which is 67%, whereas Prop D, which established the Taxi Commission, had seven positions, of which only two were from the industry, and that's only 30%. And I think that it pretty much hamstrung all of you and straightjacketed you from being as efficient as you otherwise might have been, just the way it was set up. And everyone here has worked as hard as they can, but I do see this as a positive development. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. If there's anyone else who wants to please line up. Uh, two minutes is a long time. I wasn't ready for this. Uh, my name is Peter Witt, yellow cab driver, 20 years, native San Franciscan. This is scary. Um, I don't believe in the MTA. You know, the Kingston Trio has a song. <laughs> it's about the MTA. It's uh, Boston, I believe. Huh? They have a train named after them. Uh, MTA is not that it, it's not a good commentary on the MTA this song of the Kingston Trio it's back in the 60s I believe they made that song um, the public has been played here like a fish uh, I know uh, I know that uh, why can't the taxi commission do something instead of the MTA why why is the taxi commission so bad it needs to be replaced why I know the MTA has a master plan, but we don't know what it is. No changes yet, yet we want to streamline the industry. It's a contrary statement, I believe. Uh, what's going to change? Why can't t the TAP advisory group advise this commission? Why can't drivers be represented? Why are the recommendations <clears throat> why are these recommendations, why do they look just like the Taxi Task Force's recommendations given 10 years ago? 90 days of instability in between the change here. You know, I don't believe in the MTA, and I don't believe in this taxi commission. I believe if we had some driver representation on this commission, or if we could have good faith given for output, for input rather, outreach to the public. If the sensitivity of this commission would just wake up from their coma that they're in, I Thank think you. we would be Next fine. Speaker. Thank you. Commissioners, uh, I think the setting up of this group and its formation uh, um, is well structured. I think it was a good job. Part of it I, um, as to how this body is going to be structured I think depends on your point of view. If you look at this group as essentially being a group that is going to be confrontational or adversarial in nature, then you have to be concerned about power balances in the group. If you look at this group as collaborative, where the different interests are going to be, if there's sufficient uh, representation for the different interests to express themselves, then I think this group is very well structured. And personally, I don't fundamentally believe 
that the interest of the cab companies or the interest of the medallion holders or the interest of the public are necessarily at odds with the interest of the drivers or any other setting. I think that these groups have different and distinct interests, but I also think that we have a fundamental interest in moving this forward, this industry forward in a productive way and making the entire industry more productive and benefiting from it. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Bullock, I'm going to distribute your copies of your statement here, Jane, or your comments. My comments. Thank you. I'm Jane Bullock. I was color scheme representative in the taxi advisory group, and I was so pleased to be a part of this group. And everyone who was a part of this, I think, was extremely thoughtful and helpful. Corey, we started very confused about what our mission was, and Corey and Jordana helped us to direct our thought. Corey helped us to really organize and keep our sense of discipline and direction going. Lori Graham, our chair, did a wonderful job of chairing the meetings. Our vice chair, Steve Ferrario, consistently brought up ideas that helped us to smooth the way to avoid controversies that would have delayed us. Now, the results of this is this report, which I think is an excellent report. I have some comments on it. There are some changes that I would advise be made or some extra things put in, but I think it's an excellent report. There's been a lot of comment about how the taxi advisory council would be weighted in terms of representation. I think it's important to keep in mind that there would be five members of the public, that all of the arguments that you've heard from people who think that drivers are underrepresented have been heard. And the vote was six to one. There were four members of the public on the taxi advisory group, five actually, who said, yes, this is a good way to comprise the council. And one of those members of the public is a former cab driver, not a medallion holder, not a company representative, but a cab driver, and said, yes, I think this is a good composition for this group. Again, remember, it's an advisory group. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Hello, everybody. I can concur with what you said. I only have a small thing to say about questioning why the companies, the scheme holders get four seats, the medallion holders get three seats. The scheme holders, they're only about not even 10 percent of the people who have medallions. And their interests are not always the same. The interests of the companies and the interests of the people who use those companies to put their cabs on the road are not the same. It ought to be four medallion holders, three company representatives. And another thing is the drivers who want more representatives, well, the experience of the typical driver is only about one-sixth of the typical medallion holder. So they naturally would receive more weight because they're experts, and it's only an advisory position anyway. I wish you all the best. I think it's progressing. It's okay. Thank you. Is there anyone else that wants to comment on this? Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood, driver from Yellow Cab. A long process coming to an end. 
taxi commission soon to go, why that happened. There were people who were slamming everybody, not letting us progress, not letting this industry go into any success. So finally, the shape of this taxi advisory committee, which I also feel is just an advisory committee. It has no voting power, so it's just a process to help to get to the next step. We are the first one who suggested to go to MTA. We were the one who started all these efforts, and we are hoping that this industry will move forward, will be successful, will be progressive. There were issues which will be addressed down the road about different groups and their requirements. As regard to this committee, it's very well job done by this uh, uh, members of the committee and appreciation for Corey as well as Jordana Thakpan for doing all this hard work and we hope that this will prove that we are in a position to move this taxi industry for the benefit of the public in a much broader way than existing way. We do have problems with the limos. If the limos are out, we can add up another 500 cabs and become a bigger cab industry. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Commissioners, do you have any comments? Um, I have a, just a couple of things I'd like to say. Um, I wasn't. I was. I attended the meetings, but I wasn't a voting member, so I didn't really have a, a vote or uh, on these recommendations. But there are. I agree with most of them, but I have a few concerns about some of them. And one, I'd like to echo the woman from the Asian Law Caucus. I, I think a freeze is not conceptually a good idea. I, I think. I think I saw the process and how that recommendation came about. I think there was kind of a. There was an initial proposal for a large increase in the staff and a, and a sort of a corresponding large increase in the budget. That sort of scared people, I think, and there was kind of a reaction that said, well, let's have a freeze. And I just don't think that's a good way to budget. I don't think you can budget four years in advance. I, I think, you know, there's going to be certain things you're going to be able to save money on this transition and other things you want to spend more money on, whether it's enforcement or whatever it is. So I think the idea of a freeze is, is just kind of an artificial and not that great an idea. I personally, as far as I, I think it's really clear that the taxi advisory group was something that's really going to be important. It's going to absorb a lot of the energy and, and uh, interest that people have in getting input on this, and it will prevent the MTA boards from dragging on uh, to the extent that these meetings sometimes do. But I also agree that, you know, perhaps the drivers are un, underrepresented on that group. I, I recommended <coughs> five drivers without permits, five company managers or color scheme holders, and five members of the public sort of split three ways that way. So I would, I would put that out there. And then as to the question of paratransit, uh, number six, I agree for the most part that paratransit is, is doing a good job, but I also think that there's ways, I mean, I agree that there should not affect any reduction in services, but to say no change in service, I think, limits us because we can always improve service. One of the ideas about this whole merger is to get taxi and accessible services together and working together under the same department. And I think we're, we're both serving that paratransit community and that paratransit work. And for us to, to uh, be together now under the same uh, jurisdiction, I think, is going to allow us to improve service. So I agree with the idea that there shouldn't be a reduction in service, but I wouldn't limit us to say that there should be no changes. I, th I think that we can really look to improving service and expanding that budget, actually. People are, are, are getting uh, 
older and there's going to be more need for paratransit service in this city so we have to be aware of those demographic realities um, so that's really all I have to say are there any other commissioners that want to comment anyone Jordana do you want to follow up or okay um, no I mean I'll just prepare the integrated document now with Corey and we'll release it as soon as it's available probably on Monday it'll be available and uh, it'll be presented at the MTA board. Yeah. Okay. I encourage everybody to be continue to be part of this process and uh, to the extent that we can hold hearings and discuss issues here at the Taxi Commission, we'll continue to do that for as long as we're here. So, Corey Marshall, thanks for showing up today and giving your input and everyone who spoke. So, next item. We'll return now to the regular agenda. So, the next item will be the staff report and commissioner announcements, which is an information item. Um, thanks for coming, Corey. Um, I have Sergeant Reynolds has joined us here today. He'll say a few words in a moment, and also Tamara Odisho and Deputy City Attorney Tom Owen is also present. Um, so I just want to go over a few things. Um, I tried to do a more detailed staff report this time, but uh, a lot more was done than is listed in here as usual. Um, we still have the office hours, 9 to 11.30 a.m. and 2 to 5 p.m. for customer service drop-ins. We have a new temporary staff member. Um, the city allows us to hire uh, temporary individuals. And because we have salary savings due to the fact that my old position is still, you know, not replaced, um, we have some salary savings. So I hired a temporary clerk. Uh, we can't hire him on permanently because he's not in the budget for that. But we can have him temporarily. We have him in there. He's doing fabulously. Um, we have open forum. I'll have that Wednesday, November 5th from 2 to 3 p.m. Um, President Gillespie and I just got back from the TLPA conference in uh, Florida. It was freezing there. It was like 39 degrees. It's really unfortunate. Um, but it was a good meeting. And I have information. If anyone wants to see anything in the office, I'll have it on file just as I did from the IATR conference. Um, I've, I'm about to approve a new taxi wrap, but I haven't yet. I just got the paperwork today. Um, tour and sightseeing buses. Um, this is an ongoing discussion. It's very interesting process actually. What has happened in Union Square and Fisherman's Wharf um, and my involvement in this grew out of the uh, existing taxi stand down at Macy's was being occupied repeatedly by tour buses. Um, in particular a, a specific company. It was taking over the taxi stand in front of Macy's. And in fact um, some of the tour bus companies originally advocated getting rid of that taxi stand and taking it over for the entire block. So I started meeting with them along with other stakeholders, people from the um, center, the uh, community, I guess it's called a, a CBD, it's a community business district, I guess it is. Basically property owners get together and tax themselves and pay for extra security and um, different services that uh, you know some people feel the city should be providing but the city doesn't have the resources so these property owners pay for this. So representatives of the CBD Merchant Association, um, Aaron Peskin's office participated, et cetera. And we've had several meetings. The meetings are incredible. Um, these, these tour bus operators actually want to be regulated by my office. So um, <laughs> it's a nice, nice uh, change there. You know, um, they <laughs> no offense to anyone in the audience, of course, but they, they actually are very interested to you know, preserve the taxi stand. They understand that taxis are part of the economy, but they're also part of the economy too, part of the city. And so... Basically, we're looking at issuing a new type of permit 
and we don't know if it's going to be possible yet, but basically it would be tour buses cannot go into tour bus zones unless they hold a permit to do so. And so they would apply for it and, you know, basically the CPUC is giving, not unlike limousines, is giving out permits for these tour bus operators and there's not really a lot of communication with, with um, the city as far as, you know, are we giving out too many tour bus permits for the city. And these are tour bus operators that are primarily in the tourist areas, as a lot of cab drivers go to the um, tourist areas. So there's some congestion issues, et cetera. But my presence there is there, I'm there to protect the industry, and I continue to advocate for the industry, and that's my primary role there. So I'll continue to um, have those meetings. Um, I was successful in advocating for keeping the taxi stand in front of Macy's because it's very important that we have it there. Um, also, a couple announcements about um, taxis. This, tonight is Halloween, uh, as, as you all know, um, and I've been asked to tell you that the city is sponsoring an event down at, um, it's near AT&T Park. It's going to be at uh, 3rd and Mission Rock is where the taxi zone is going to be. Please, please serve this area. Please go down there. I took a taxi last night from the airport, and I, I asked the driver, please go there. There will be a lot of fares there. People will be interested in getting out of there quickly. They might take public transportation there, but they want to get out so that they can go enjoy the rest of the night. So please, please go down there tonight and serve them. Um, they will really appreciate it. And it will be a busy night. There is not activity in the Castro that is not allowed, and there will be a police presence there to discourage that behavior. Um, additionally, on election night, it's going to be a very busy night as well. Um, hopefully a historic night, although I'm not allowed to say that. Anyway, um, but there will be a, a little change to the taxi stand on uh, Powell Street. Okay, a third of it will be occupied by a satellite truck. Okay, so be forewarned if you're going there, we will do a blast fax. Be aware that just a third, not the whole thing, the street will not be closed, but a third of it will be occupied by a, a satellite truck, okay, for the um, historic election, regardless, regardless of the outcome. Uh, in any event, uh, the other thing just is that I attached a copy of a complaint. Um, this complaint was uh, relatively older, but um, Mr. this is regarding Mr. William Hunger. I just attached it for informational purposes in case anyone was wondering why that was there. Um, this individual uh, surrendered his, his A card, um, and he, he had years of service in the industry, and so uh, Taxi Detail and myself thanked him for that. Um, we have some uh, summary suspensions. Unfortunately, uh, we have a mean bench core. He's to be heard most likely November 14th. Um, we have another one, Tax Commission versus Ahmed, and I'm, I can't remember if that one's been scheduled for the 14th or not, but I believe it has. And there are several upcoming Board of Appeals hearings, which I will be attending over the next couple months. And Black and White Checker Cab has lost medallion number 953. Uh, from now on, when medallions are lost, because, um, you know, they're kind of noteworthy and have a distinctive look and feel to them, I'm going to be announcing them at the hearing. So if anyone has seen 953, its home is at Black and White Checker, and so it would be much obliged if it could find its way home if anyone has seen it. Okay, uh, and then 311, we're continuing to make improvements. Um, I'm going to be meeting with all the color schemes regarding your lost and found um, policies. We just have a small change that we want to do and that 311 um, and, and my office have discussed and we think is really going to combat a lot of the problems that we are all facing 
um, regarding lost and found. And it's a small change, but I'll, I'll talk with the color schemes individually about that. It's not going to be any additional work on the part of the color schemes, and in fact, it should result in more efficient process of dealing with lost and found items. That's about it. And now, Sergeant Reynolds. Thank you. Unless anyone has any questions first for me. No, okay. Good afternoon, Commissioners, Executive Director, guests. It's unusual to say afternoon instead of evening. Um, first of all, I want to say that um, uh, last in the last two weeks, one of the weeks I was out of uh, I was out of the office because of a injury involving a motor vehicle accident. So we're kind of backlogged, and I'm going to report some of the things that have happened in the last two weeks to you. Um, the unit right now is involved in a uh, we're assisting the arson bureau in an investigation um, where it is not a cab driver, but there, there were cabs used in um, the aftermath of that event. So we have been helping them try to get information. Also, we've been helping the district attorney's office in prosecuting a sexual battery that was, in fact, um, one of our drivers. Um, there are currently three pending suspensions on drivers at this time, unfortunately. Um, we are learning with these suspension procedures that they are requiring more and more work. They're becoming more and more time-consuming because we have to do a number of things. So I am very far behind in those three. And I just want to report one is regarding a hit-and-run accident where a cab left the scene of a hit-and-run accident. One was a road rage where uh, the driver attempted to run down another driver in a v with the cab. That driver was, in fact, arrested for felony 245 assault with a deadly weapon. And then a th another driver uh, that got into a dispute with a uh, affair, <clears throat> and it ended up to where the, the passenger spit in the driver's face. The driver then pulled out a tire iron and struck the, the passenger in the head. So, and again, that was also an arrest of the cab driver for 245. So those are the three current... Um, uh, suspensions that we have going right now. We've also been getting a lot of complaints from the industry about the citations being issued to them by uh, DPT and a few other organizations. And I just wanted to, to mention those is that one of them we did actually investigate and uh, we did find that uh, it might have been um, an unfair citation or citations issued at the MECO. DPT is looking into that and they're going to get back to us. I also have a citation and I may be asking the Commission's help for this because I'm not sure how to go with this. Again, my concern with the ramp vehicles and paratransit is that we get folks that need those services, those ramp vehicles. Here are two citations um, by one ramp van that were um, issued at San Francisco General Hospital. One of them, the patient needed assistance getting up to the floor where they were having uh, their appointment. And so the driver helped the person get up to the fifth floor, get situated and return back to the cab to be away 12 minutes and being issued a citation in the white zone. So I, I'm not sure how we're going to address some of these issues, but I just think that the, the end result is we will not get ramp vehicles going to hospitals if, in fact, they, they are serving the community and then they get citations for it. So I, I, I'm 
kind of coming to you to tell you that this is a problem that I'm seeing more and more. The industry is bringing it to our attention. So um, maybe we need to sit down and come up with a plan on to educate and maybe to get more taxi zones at the, the medical facilities so we can deal with this problem. Um, thanks to Jordana's help and the Taxi uh, Commission's help, we are actually starting to catch up on the 311 complaints. Um, we are now into April of this year. So we are almost or at the six-month period. We have taken care of all the more serious uh, complaints, but some of the minor ones are still lingering. And of the minor complaints we get, one of the two that come out to pop out the most often are smoking in the cab and talking on the cell phone in the cab. As you know, in San Francisco, both are illegal acts. As you know, it's also a violation of the rules and procedures. What we're doing is we're trying to find some of these minor acts, and we are, we are doing something different. To try to get caught up with all the 311 complaints, we are now looking at the issue. We, if we have a complainant, we contact the complainant, and then instead of bringing the driver in, we are sending them to taxi school for a three-hour refresher on these two areas. That does not mean if the driver wants to appeal that decision and come and talk to anybody at the taxi detail, we will more than happily listen to their story. But if we determine that they have violated the law and violated department policy, there is a possibility they could get far more serious uh, punishment than just going to taxi school. And again, we went back and we researched the smoking and the cell phones, and almost 100% of all of those complaints are found against the drivers because who's going, to make a tell, who's going to make a complaint that a person's talking on the phone if they're not talking on the phone? And not only that, you drive down any street in the city and you'll see that, that the vast majority of the time the drivers are on the phones. So I just wanted to let the industry know you're going to start seeing that where we're going to be sending drivers directly to the training. If they want to appeal it, they can call me. I will give them um, an officer to talk to. But I just want to forewarn them. It is a criminal offense now to do both of those things beyond just being um, a violation of the rules and regs, and they could get a stiffer penalty. Um, <clears throat> I also want to talk a little bit about, we had a meeting at the airport last week, and I want to talk a little bit about the smart cards. The smart cards have a value. There's a microchip in them. And the, and the San Francisco International Airport buys those cards. Therefore, they are the property of the San Francisco International Airport. They have a value. If a person comes and uses a card, they lease the card, they get the, they get the amount on it so they can use them in the airport. Apparently, a lot of these are being lost or being stolen, and they're not being returned. I'm going to be sending a blast fax out next week because I understand a lot of color schemes will have jars, boxes of smart cards at their places of business. This is lost property like a purse, like a wallet, like a passport. It has an owner, and that's the San Francisco International Airport. We are going to start, when we do our inspections of color schemes, if we start finding smart cards laying around in color schemes, there's going to be citations issued for not following the rules on lost property. And also, they are going to be, they are going to start putting the names of the drivers 
on all of the smart cards so we can start looking out to see who is switching those smart cards, who is swapping them. Again, they are property. If you possess one that you do not own, you are in possession of lost or stolen property and you can be cited for that. So I will be putting out a blast fax to that in the next couple of weeks. That ends my uh, presentation, if there's any questions. Thank you. I just have a couple more things. I forgot just two more things. Number one, um, Tamara and Vicki have been working really hard in the office on setting up the uh, taxi driver appreciation lunch. And uh, so we've asked color schemes for nominations. We're hoping that, um, you know, people will get those to us in a timely manner. We have space open. We expanded the attendance this year because last year we had more demand than we could accommodate. So we hope everyone will come and enjoy it. It's at the Beach Chalet, and people can bring their families. It's, it's really a nice thing. So we will be there. Um, you know, we will be there. And it's lots of great food, so hopefully you can come. Um, also, I received a communication from a company in New Zealand that offers an, um, a so-called eco-friendly taxi top light. It's a LED light, and it's quite fascinating technology. And I just wanted to highlight that. Um, I, I don't think that this is a city um, vendor, so the city can't purchase from it, but obviously taxi companies can. And I really encourage everyone to look into this. It claims to result in an 8% gasoline savings because it's not running. I know, it does a little bit fantastical to me as well. But I think, I think it will result in some savings because it's not using electricity. It's, it's an LED light, and it glows in the dark. So... Appropriately enough, it's Halloween that I would be announcing this. So if you want information on it, I have it at the office. That's all for staff report. Okay. Any other commissioner comments? There's a lot of things that were raised. I would have loved to comment on a few things today, but I'm trying to move this meeting along. So I'm going to go to public comment for one minute. Is there anyone who would like to comment? Uh, Robert Chisana, I just want a brief comment on this smart card issue. This is not what the um, airport told us. The airport told us they issue us as a card. If we lose the card, they replace the first one free. And then after that, we have to pay for them. So they're giving us the cards, and now they're saying they're not giving us the cards. And the biggest problem with the smart cards is they're not giving us refunds quickly when the machines don't work. And they promised that those machines, those cards were going to be used for other purposes. You can't use them for other purposes. So the airport has done a lot of things. And it's not true. And do you really think you're going to be able to return a smart card with no name on it that is not in lost property? What the hell are you going to do with it? So, yes, putting the names on the cards is good. But other than that fining companies for holding on to cards so that they can return them to drivers? Thank this you. is crazy. Thank you. Uh, I don't see um, my sunshine complaint in your report. Uh, uh, you lost, by the way, in case you want to know. But it really doesn't matter uh, because you don't care. You don't care if you violate the rules that you're supposed to follow. doesn't matter if this commission violates the rules that you're supposed to follow. just doesn't matter. Um, 
Driver versus driver. I like that one. That's because their income is low. They need to make money, and they need to. Whoever's in front gets the fare. Uh, the uh, uh, let's see the assault to the passenger. Well, I would wonder what is the consequence to the passenger if the driver is spit on. What's the consequence? Where's the reward? Where's the payback? Um, I'm glad to hear about the uh, cell phone and smoking complaints, um, but mostly cell phones, I know. Uh, but those aren't the only complaints. Thank you. Any Mr. questions? Sure. Those aren't the only complaints. Any questions? Next speaker. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Bashir Rahimi, and uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much uh, for the off. Uh, Surgeon Romans to do hard works, and I just bring to you all your attentions, and that is uh, the right now I'm, I'm a cab driver in the Soda Cab, and we are the only cab company, the best cab company to cover all the citizens, and including blood delivery. We are have a contract with a blood center, and I pick up sometime blood from there and take him to UCSF or the other departments, and uh, those DPD give me a tickets. And I got a couple times tickets I don't want to fight, and I pay the fines. And I do appreciate it for uh, his comments to take care of this DPT because we have to deliver those blood to the hospitals, and this is kind of like emergency. And uh, we need to be parked to deliver the blood and come back, and I got twice tickets, which so is not fair to me, but I don't have no choice, and I pay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm just curious if there are any other drivers besides me that have repeatedly injured their knee on the camera button. Anybody ever jump into your cab and hit your knee on that camera I'm sorry, button? Sorry, Mr. Derby, this is off the. I, I'm just curious topic. because uh, the it's staff, in the wrong staff spot. Staff announcements, staff report, and commissioner announcements. Okay, well this is. It's not. It's not relevant to this agenda item. It, this is not supposed to be. Real, is this supposed to be just related to the staff report? Or, yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Thank you. No, this was a. Uh, well, the DPT, can I address the DPT and the limos and the buses? I'm just requesting that the, the, the taxi space at Jackson and Columbus on Jackson, I've never been able to park there when I wanted to uh, take care of some business at the non-incurry. Sometimes you just got to stop and go and grab it. It's, I, I wish there would be more enforcement of the people who are taking over our, our spots. These are civilian cars. And the DPT, I don't pick up at the airport because it's not worth the risk. I mean, at the uh, AT&T because it's not worth the risk of those uh, overzealous people. And, and it's the right turn lane is where the taxi cab spots are supposed to be, and you can't get in there. Um, last night, there were five big buses double parking on, on Broadway at about 11 o'clock at night. Going the other way, there were five huge double-stretch limos in a line. And I was just trying to weave my way in between all these uh, things. So, anyway, that's shortly. Thank you. Again, this is public comment on the staff report and commissioner announcements. Uh, drivers getting uh, tickets that they don't deserve. Um, I imagine uh, our president uh, may uh, know about that. I'm not 
you may have had personal experience, but I think we all know at least uh, drivers who were helping their passengers, uh, had disabled passengers, uh, whether it's a ramp or a sedan at a, a blue zone or uh, at a red zone. We had letters uh, issued uh, many years ago uh, that were, ha I believe they were issued by DPT for drivers to show to officers uh, uh, if the officers were citing them at, at uh, a place where a driver, in fact, could uh, disembark and embark a passenger. But perhaps one of the things that is necessary in this now that's been highlighted a bit more is to think about forming a kind of task force so that we could get something that's comprehensive and that all agencies involved could uh, sign on to and understand and disseminate. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask a question? Yep. Do, you, do you guys really have a, a contract to deliver blood? Yes, we do, yeah. How do you transport it? In, like, the biohazard container? Or? Well, the, the container varies. Uh, it yeah. can be anything from a, a, a little portable cooler to big boxes that are packed uh, by the blood bank. Okay. But it's, it's frequently a problem delivering blood, finding places to park. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks. Thank you. And just for me to follow up on this, what Sergeant Reynolds and Jane just mentioned, uh, you know, the idea that a ramp taxi is getting a ticket while helping a disabled person into a hospital is just so, you know, out of bounds that whether it's a formal letter from this department or whether it's some uh, sort of less formal outreach to the Department of Parking and Traffic, we need to make clear that those are not priority tickets. And in fact, it's, it's inappropriate that someone should be cited for something like that. So, I mean, I hope we can do some some outreach between whether it's Sergeant Reynolds and Jordana and Department of There are some interagency working groups, and I think it should be an issue that's raised there, so I hope it will be. We can raise that. I would ask that if anyone has received a ticket, a ramp taxi driver under those kind of circumstances, could they please come to the office and let us know because it really helps when we're dealing with these other stakeholders to have specific instances rather than just a general statement that, you know, there's, un there's injustice to have specific instances we can point to and we can actually assist down the line. I mean, we'll do our best, so. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to speak? Tariq? Tariq Mahmood. As about the ticket, uh, one of my friends, he was charged for parking on the, stopping at the bus stop and nobody handed over him ticket. He stopped, he dropped, he went, and ticket came in the mail to Yellow. And he has to pay, number one. Number two, uh, talking about this, somebody got beaten up, the knee injury. I'm not discussing this particular case, but in general, recently what another incident happened, a driver was beaten up. He was arrested by the police. And why he was arrested? Because when he was beaten up badly on his face, all the punches, all the bruises, he pulled out the lever to hit the, that passenger and he was arrested because he pulled out the lever. But that's the only option maybe at that moment in defense was left when he was continuously beaten up. So this kind of thing, I have seen several cases where drivers are victim, but they are arrested. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Hello. My name is Rashid. Uh, about the ticket, you know, I was in the airport. The dispatcher called me. I was in the back of the line, the international. Told me, coming all the way in the front, there's a handicap with a wheelchair to put him on the car. When I went down there, there's a police officer on a motorcycle in the airport. His name is Stanley Hayes or something like that, you know. 
and he come give me a ticket for no reason. I said, what? He told me, oh, you're back in the, in the bus stop, the very bus. I told him, what about the handicap? How about uh, <laughs> to put him in the car? And after that, he told me, goodbye. I have no choice just to buy that ticket, you know, because this uh, officer, you know, the, the motorcycle, even, you know, he against all the cab driver in the airport, you know, for no reason at all, you know. And they know, that, you know, the dispatcher, they control everything. They tell us to park down there. Even they call us like 15 or 20 cab driver to go from downstairs all the way upstairs to the terminal. When we go upstairs and he come kick us out of the terminal, you know, after two hours, three hours waiting for no reason and kick us for reason, no reason to. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good, good afternoon. It's hard to say it. <laughs> Anyhow, the, uh, being at Luxor now in uh, Martin Smith Luxor Cab, uh, we do uh, almost 50% of the, 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 the paratransit picks up to the city, and we have a special department that just handles tickets. And it's, it's getting out of hand. The drivers are driving and losing half their wages of the day paying tickets. The DBT needs to be reeled in on this. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Okay. Next item. The next item um, is public comment. How much time would you like to reserve for it? Okay. Um, one minute. Is there anyone who wants to speak on general public comment? Keeping in mind that we have several items left and that we're trying to get out of here early tonight, today. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone, Luxor Cab. And welcome, Commissioner. And, uh, we had just a little concern, especially as we see the uh, pending changeover. We're just a little bit uh, wondering when uh, are we going to see the rebate money on the, uh, the hybrids. And I, uh, I sure hope that doesn't get lost in the, in the shuffle. Thanks so much. Are you, do you know what he's referring to? Yeah, it's ready to be issued. It's just that the, um, the accountant has asked me for extensive research on the um, AZ Easy. The, the ratings, basically, and all these other aspects, and I'm going to be working on it. Uh, it'll be done by Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Morning. Good <coughs> afternoon again, Martin Smith, Luxury Cab. Uh, I wanted to, to remind people uh, or to see if the, the commission is working to get uh, to relieve the uh, traffic in and out of Candlestick Park. They, it's, it's getting to be horrendous out there. And uh, at one point, there were there was uh, taxi streets going in, probably Ingerson going in, and then Jamestown coming out of uh, Gate D. Is it? I forget. It was one of those two streets. But if they've stopped it, they should start it back up again because it's, it's a huge problem for cabs to get in and out of there. And when they have uh, one-way traffic in and one-way traffic out and lanes dedicated just to cabs, it, it works much better. Lieutenant Schloss and I worked on that a year ago, and so it was. In, she just done something like that. Also, I want to talk about in the, P, in the PCC meetings, they're giving vehicles away to, to, to different companies. To you know, they're, they're, they're donating vehicles. Well, in, in the taxi industry, we expect to, to, to do the outer. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I'm sure we can air that out to PCC. Good evening, Commissioner. Once again. One of the gentlemen made a complaint about a motorcycle cop at the airport. That's a serious complaint. I wish I should have gone after him and did the, some kind of emailing with the airport commission. Uh, 
taxis are waiting in the lot for 90 minute 30 minute 50 minute for their turn to come out turn by turn and after one hour or 90 minute waiting when they are sent out it's in the control of the airport who decide to send them out but when they are sent out what happens there are few extra cabs they say okay you just go 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 and the cabs are outside but they are above the line and a motorcycle cop comes in and he moves them out say circle around the airport you cannot stand here that cop should not be on the job it's not the responsibility of the driver because he just sent out it's not his fault he is going going to stand in the line outside thank you good morning commissioners tomorrow you looking good all the time uh, first i would like to apologize to executive director uh, jordan tipkin for my comments in the last taxi commission meeting i understand i was over emotional and i believe it's not going to happen again and also i would like to thank you jordana and sergeant reno for your time that you spent for review our application for um, uh, alternative parking uh, i'm pleased to see today in our agenda and um, i reviewed the conditions unfortunately we're not going to be able to paint the parking spaces because the landlord is not going to allow us to do that on his property but other than that we don't have any disagreements with the with the conditions and i just want to publicly say that we're not going to use the property for shift exchange purposes so these allegations regarding the safety is out of questions thank you and let's sit and lastly can we remove the item number 8 on the top because a lot of cab drivers want to drive a cab tonight yeah i'm considering doing that next thanks good morning my name is bashir rahimi commissioners you have a very poor management in the airports they are a very very poor management what they do they send the cab driver from the lines go front of the lines the officer have no choice they have to do his job who created all this problem the dispatch and the lady her name is uh, uh, i'm a paris even she accused me for a lot of stuff they don't respect any cab drivers the management is very very poor and send them to drivers all the time the poor cab driver get a problem get a ticket to they are enjoyed and all the time talk about bad about the cab drivers commissioners we like it to do something about it to stop those kind of people to we are not getting more problem between has and the police officer thank you very much thank you Good afternoon commissioners I would just to make a real brief comment about this whole question of tickets and everything we're wasting our time talking to you guys I know I have been to meetings I know you uh Paul have been to meetings with all these people we have actually thank goodness and this is a warning to the MTA at last the power to do something because the mta should be on notice right now 
that if they do not resolve the issue of issuing tickets in these situations, then we are going to start coming to their meetings, which after all is the purpose of being sidestepped so we don't have any publicity and we don't talk about any meetings. And when we bring 100 or 200 cab drivers, Thank you, they will understand to resolve the meeting. Thank you. Blake Derby, yeah, Yellow Cab, 1092. Um, two things. The SFO. Now, what gives these people even the right to get $4 of ride from us? When you figure it all out, it turns into... Uh, well, that's about 10% of a driver's haul. So if you multiply that times 1,500 cabs, that's 10% of 1,500 cabs. Or say the 300 at the airport, that's 30 cabs that the airport management, Dodja, Amco, the Bessers, Mayor Brown's ex-friends, share. That's, amount, that's equivalent to owning 30 cabs. Another one, way bills. They're already written down. It's electronic. Why are we doing it? If you, each driver spends a half hour filling out waybills, total time, throughout the evening, it's a half hour. That's, that's uh, 750 hours. I mean, uh, yeah, 750 hours for 1,500 cabs. That's equivalent to 75 cabs. When we don't have to do write our waybills, that's the same as putting 75 cabs on the street because that time taken away... Okay, and it's dangerous, Thank too, you. to fill out waivers. Anyone else who wants to speak under public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Next item. Uh, like a bulldog. Uh, on December 2002, I said, paraphrased, Commissioners, you should have a copy of my surveys. Untainted, they say it's hard to get a cab on a Friday and a Saturday night and at rush hours. I said... Even when service is better than average, bigger seems better. Even when the poor economy after 9-11 kicked in. Even after adding 60% more cabs. Now this is the general public, mind you. Not the hotel industry, not, or not the hospitality industry, not the restaurant association. No, nothing new here because it's hard to get a cab everywhere on a Friday and Saturday night and at rush hours. I said uh, it can be relieved, but it can't be unless you think outside the box. That's the box cab you put cab drivers in. I said, what happened to peak time cabs in 1999? What happened to cab pooling in 1999? What happened to taxi stands in 1999? What happened, Mr. President and Vice President? You were both here. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Uh, and I do want to move up agenda consent item calendar. 8 so we can go to the consent calendar now. All right. So item 8 is the consent calendar. All matters listed here under constitute a consent calendar are considered to be routine by the commission and will be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the commission so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. I would note that um, we only have two meetings left for the rest of the year after today. And so um, what we would like to do is on the November and December meetings, seeing as how we'll have applications come in that otherwise would be delayed, uh, we'd like to just have you vote next time for those to be on consent, waiving the notice portion. There's two such names already, so we'll have those on for you for a vote next time. Secondly, we did continue B1, um, B3, and um, uh B8, I noted that there was something, so through the chair, I would request that that be severed. B8, severed. Okay. Additionally, um, E and F to be severed. 
And there's some recusals, as you know. So. Yeah, I have to recuse. So who has seniority here? I guess men. Yeah. Men's going to have to take over <laughs> okay. on those items. So, um, so we've, uh, we've continued B1 and B3, and we're severing B8. Is there any other requests for any severances? Enough. I need to uh, sever, uh, recuse on D, D2 and D3. ENF to be severed as well. ENF, okay. Okay, I'm going to take public comment on the consent calendar. Is there any public comment? For one minute. Uh, yes, commissioners. Um, I noticed on item two, it uh, it needs to be uh, corrected. Uh, my my it does not reflect what I said. On item three, you did not add the 150. What item two are you talking about? Uh, item two on your minutes that you're going to consent right now. And I'm sorry, my apologies, minutes. We're talking about the minutes. Um, item three, you uh, didn't include my 150 words that I presented. On item five, um, um, public comment is not even mentioned. I was. I did make a public comment. I'm not even in there. Uh, on number nine, it doesn't make sense, and it certainly doesn't reflect what I said or intended to say. So if you can make those corrections, thank you very much. Next speaker. Carl Mike Murrow with the Medallion Holder Association. I want to congratulate the people getting their medallions and say so we have some materials, Robert, Susan, and I, to hand out if any of those people want them. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Okay. Uh, why don't we take a motion on all the non-severed items? Wait, Jane, did you want to speak? Okay. We'll reopen public comment. Um, uh, I was at... Uh, formerly at National Cab for about three and a half years, and uh, one of the people I had a pleasure to work with was John Gould, and I'm so pleased for John to be able to get a permit today. So congratulations, John. Okay. Okay, so we'll take a motion on all the non-severed items. Motion to approve. Second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That passes. Um, Congratulations to those people who got their medallions. Some good friends out there. Actually, I'm going to do the contested next, or do you want men to do the recused items next? The, re the recused items next. Mm -hmm. I'll right. give to men. Right. Which one is that? All the all the yellow cam. It's B B four B four B seven. B4 and B7. And D2. D2. Okay. And D3 so also. D3 oh, yeah. also. D3. Okay. So shall we have a public comment on these items no. first? No. no public comment. Just call for a motion. Call for what? A motion. Okay. Do we have a motion on these items? Motion to approve. Okay. Second. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Items passed. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you. Very well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what do we have? Do we have um, now B8 okay. would be the first one. Okay. 
So B8, um, this is... Is there information in our packet on this? Well, uh, unfortunately, um, the memorandum for my consent calendar, um, pages two and four are missing, okay, okay of, that, of that memo. Um, sometimes that happens because we try to save paper by copying both sides and it gets scanned and it... So, can you guys keep the door shut, please? Thanks. Um, okay, so with regards to uh, B8... Um, this is Mr. M. Zion. He is a longtime driver, um, been, been in the industry a while, a yellow cab driver, known to many people. Um, he originally applied, it was, I believe it was over the summer, and unfortunately, um, you know, there were some things in his application that gave staff cause to uh, investigate his particular case. Um, so uh, we did so. And um, we were ready to put him on, um, but due to the hearing being continued and just a couple of things. So as you know, last time some people came and spoke and said, you know, what's going on? And by that point, everything was resolved. We just weren't, we couldn't put him on until, until this time. So now he's here. Um, he uh, passes the driving requirement, so there's no question about that. Um, the only thing that, that we noted, and, uh, you know, again, this is just part of our process to investigate, and it's part of our job to do our duty to make sure that, you know, only qualified individuals receive medallions. And for that reason, um, you know, and that's, that's what Prop K mandates of us. So, um, you know, nobody likes this aspect of it, but we gotta, we gotta do our duty. Um, we found out that Mr. M. Zion held a limousine permit from the California Public Utilities Commission. And um, that permit was revoked. And I, I contacted the CPUC, and it appears that the permit was revoked for failure to adhere to administrative requirements. So it's not like he did something egregious with the permit, he just didn't adhere to the administrative requirements of the permit. Um, so on a scale for culpability, that's relatively low as far as you know, grounds for revocation are concerned. Um, we also noted that, you know, Mr. Zion owns a black town car. So, um, you know, we were investigating to see whether or not Mr. Zion was actually a limousine driver or was a taxi cab driver. And that's why it took so long to, you know, process the application. So we weren't trying to, you know, um, punish Mr. Zion in any way. He's a, he's a, a, a wonderful gentleman and... Um, his family's, I've been in contact with his family and everyone's been very respectful and professional as we try to explain this process. Um, but, you know, we do have to note those facts for the record. Um, and if the commissioners have questions about this, the details, um, uh, Commissioner Gillespie's recused, but if anyone has any questions about that, Mr. Zion's here and maybe he could answer those questions. But, um, you know, we just wanted to report that and that's what was in uh, partially on page two of, of the memorandum is that he did have this limousine permit and owns a black town car. Um, well, I don't know if it's black, <laughs> but it's a town car. <laughs> I assume it's black unless it's one of those really nice kind of 80s looking white ones. So um, in any event, that's, that's all I have to report on, on his particular case. Okay. So. Uh, so do we have, uh, are we going to have public comment or shall we have motion? If you have questions about what I just said, you could ask it of the applicant, or you could take a motion if any commissioner would be willing to uh, entertain a motion okay. without questions. Does fellow commissioners have any question to Mr. Amzai? 
No? Okay. With no questions. Um, do we have motion here? Yeah. Motion to approve. Approve. Okay. Second. All right. All in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, now we need to go to Section E. Yes, Section E. Uh, now, with regards to Section E, um, unfortunately, you know, page four is missing, but um, I'll just kind of walk through this facts as best as I can. Um, this is Masood Sharsugi. It's a second time waiver request. Um, and if you uh, want to continue this till the 25th, that's fine too. Um, that, that could be an option. Um, Mr. Charsugi here tonight? He's here, yeah. He's here. Okay, and he's asking for a time waiver? He's asking for a second time waiver, yeah. Or, you know, he's asking for a time waiver. Does this involve an explanation from you? And I'd like to continue this given okay. the entrance of time. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's pretty lengthy. Pretty yeah. lengthy. Yeah, I'd like to continue this to our meeting in November. All right. Let's continue till November 25th. Yeah. So, item F now? Um, yes, item F. This is just a request for um, black and white checker to park uh, nine medallions, well, nine vehicles, I should say, nine vehicles at uh, the former Worldwide Cab location, uh, 2560 uh, Marin Street. Um, so initially, both Scott Leon of my office and Sergeant Reynolds investigated uh, this space and deemed it unsuitable for the use of taxi cabs. Despite, uh, or maybe in, uh, because of the fact that Black, or rather Worldwide, had formerly occupied that space, it's well known to anyone um, in the industry. It's located in that section of uh, Marin Street, or on the corner, really, where kind of everybody, everything comes together. You know, um, Petrero, on ramp, the freeway, Cesar Chavez, Bayshore, and Marin—they all come together in this this little <coughs> intersection. Well, it's a big intersection, anyway. Uh, so there, it's on the corner there. There's no gate. There's no fence. And um, it's, it's somewhat unsafe for, for drivers. So the reservations were around the fact that potentially drivers would be shift changing there and be exposed to danger. And so for that reason, Taxi Detail and my office were unwilling initially to approve it. Subsequently, uh, we had a conversation, um, Sergeant Reynolds and myself, with Mr. Makarian of Black and White. And we believe that it, it can be tried out on a, on, you know, sort of a trial basis. Um, you know, if there's any problems, then, of course, they, we could deal with it at that point. But um, there is not adequate parking at uh, 999 Pennsylvania. And I have the, uh, the copies of the leases and, and um, where everyone alleges to be parking at that lot. And there's an ongoing dispute, uh, which, you know, my office cannot and will not be involved in, but it revolves around, chiefly around parking and other issues pertaining to the use of land there. So there's no question that there's problems out there with parking and anything we can do to alleviate that and alleviate the burden on uh, the drivers is, is going to be of benefit to them. But no shift changing. I mean, it's just, it's not safe. These drivers could be subject to um, just a real, they could be subject to problems. And that, that's what taxi detail feels and, you know, um, that was a real problem at Worldwide, too, I understand. Drivers felt unsafe. and um, the, the question of shift changing on the lots anyways is something we're revisiting and Rules Committee and looking into. 
um, whether or not it'd be more feasible to shift change at BART stations somewhere inside the city that would benefit people during rush hour. And that's an ongoing dialogue that we're having with the industry. But right now, that is still the rule. So uh, we just ask for the cooperation of black and white. I understand it's chiefly for spare, spare storage, and some other medallions will be there. So it sounds like they've, they've got their business in order with regards to it. So we recommend it. Are there any questions from commissioners? Is there a motion? Well, they should, should there be a sunset date on this if we agree to allow a temporary? We could well, do it. It's not really a temporary. It, I mean, this is, we're allowing them. Well, I'm but we can on a trial basis here, so I heard trial basis. We, you can approve it, and then if we see any problems, we can bring those to you, and you could make a decision again if you wanted to rescind okay, the permission. So it can be re we'll just, that way? Yeah, yeah, if we hear any complaints or if drivers complain, hey, you know. But I don't think that's going to be a, a, an issue. I think that everyone understands that driver safety is really what we're focusing on here. This is not intended to be punitive against black and white by any means. This is intended to safe, safeguard the drivers. So. All right. I'll make a motion to move to alternate side. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion passes. Okay. Uh, item four, I guess. Yes. Item four. Consideration of hearing officer's recommendation in tax commission versus Kingley, Kingsley Jamanze. This is a temporary permit for which no number has yet been issued. This is a consideration of decision to uphold a summary suspension for violations of Rules 6A1, 6A4, 6D2, 6D3, Vehicle Code Sections 2001A, 21950A, and Penal Code Section 243D, pending disciplinary complaint on underlying matters. And you do have a copy of the hearing officer's recommendation to you in this matter. Um, this case was heard on October 3, 2008. And uh, Mr. Jamanzi's attorney is here. Um, I'll just give a brief overview of uh, the decision, uh, rather the recommendation, and then um, um, Ms. Morgan can make her statements. Um, essentially, uh, the facts um, as alleged in a police report and by uh, witnesses were that on September 5, 2008, Mr. Jamanzi was involved in uh, American Taxi Cab number 352 um, in, in its operation. Specifically, he was driving and uh, allegedly hit a pedestrian who was crossing the crosswalk. Um, a witness uh, noticed this and asked the cab to stop. Um, Mr. Jumanze pulled over. There was a, a physical altercation, and Mr. Jumanze left the scene. And uh, Mr. Jumanze has information about why he left the scene and facts regarding that. Um, two police reports were filed, one for the hit and run and one for the battery. The Taxi Commission Taxi Detail received these reports and after um, reviewing them and um, talking to the witnesses issued a summary suspension. There was a hearing on October 3rd and uh, Mr. Um, one of the witnesses appeared. The other one, due to a, a mistake of time, was he did not appear. He thought that the hearing was at a different time. Um, so uh, essentially, um, the hearing officer reviewed the police reports, heard the testimony of Mr. Jumanze, who was represented by his attorney, and um, also the testimony of the witnesses, and felt that uh, there was cause to continue this summary suspension pending a disciplinary complaint on the underlying matter. And just to refresh uh, the way that 
summary suspensions work is that the summary suspension issues, we were sending them to the hearing officer. Now we will be sending them directly to the commission since her decisions are only recommendations. They come here and then the commission can either adopt only four votes are needed to overturn a factual basis for a hearing officer's decision, as you know from the hearing procedures you recently adopted. But then, you know, a complaint on the underlying matters really, you know, to have a longer discipline, be it a continuation of the suspension or something else, would then issue and would presumably go on to the hearing officer once again or else directly to the commission, whatever is the next hearing available. Is Mr. Jumanzi being charged with a, beyond this charge, beyond this summary suspension, is he being charged by the police or the district attorney's office? No, he isn't. The DA has declined to file charges on it. They've declined to file charges? That is correct. That's my understanding, but Ms. Morgan can probably. Okay. I'll give you five minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Yes, that is very important. He has not been charged with anything. He was not arrested. There is some discrepancies. First of all, this is a matter of a case about perception. What does a reasonable taxi driver have to put up with in an event like this? What we know from the facts is that Mr. Jumanzi did pull over after whatever happened, and he pulled over. Somebody was there that was very aggressive towards him. It got aggressive. The testimony from the individual that testified that he was hit by him, I guess he said his knee was hit. Mr. Jumanzi did not experience that, did not know that he had hit anybody. As he testified, that it didn't make any sense to me how Mr. Jumanzi extricated himself from this other gentleman and jumped into his cab. Well, it would make sense if we listened to the 911 tape, which is still not available. We have asked for it, and as I was told today, it still has not been requested because Officer Reynolds did not have the information. However, I pointed out to him the information is in the police reports that he needs to obtain this 911 report. We are very hopeful that the 911 tape will be available at the full hearing. This is a due process issue. Mr. Jumanzi's livelihood has been taken away from him. I understand it's only temporary at this point, but he has not been able to work since his temporary permit has been suspended. Because what is the issue here? He's not been arrested. He's not been charged. Because at the time, it was his belief, and it's a reasonable belief, that he was being set up. And that is a fear that is not unreasonable in this town. Because when he got off, he was assaulted by this other gentleman. There is an issue as to who threw the first punch. The only witness that was there was the individual that testified that his knee got hurt. He was on the opposite side of the street, and he was taking care of himself. He was not watching the entire events the whole time. Mr. Jumanzi states that he was the one who was hit first. He was saying, what's going on? Why are you trying to get into my cab? They got into a very serious fight. His lip was cut. 
for his own safety, it was reasonable for him to jump back in his cab. He did not have to stay there and be assaulted. He doesn't have responsibility to do that. He did drive away where he parked about a block away and made a 911 call. And in that 911 call, he told the operator, the dispatch, what had happened. He then later that afternoon went to the station to file a report. That's in the record. And they chose not to charge him. They did not arrest him. And yet his livelihood has been taken away because of this incident. The burden of proof should be on the taxi commission to get this 911 tape because it will show the incident happened approximately 11 o'clock. It's in the police report the 911 call was made at 1107. That would show what Mr. Jumanzi's state of mind was at the time of the incident. He was speaking under the full adrenaline of what had just happened. Those statements are the most accurate statements. The hearing officer said he was not credible. But this is not an issue of credibility. This is an issue of what was he experiencing at the time and was it reasonable. What he was experiencing at the time was that he was being assaulted, he was possibly being set up for a robbery, and it was reasonable for him to extricate himself from it, to make himself safe, to drive a block away, make the 911 call. He did go to the police station later. He did file a report. And he's done what he needs to do. Again, he's not been charged. He's not been arrested. We are asking that you do not uphold the suspension of his license. This is his livelihood. And a full hearing is scheduled on the 14th. We are very hopeful now that it's been pointed out to Officer Reynolds that he does in fact have the information he needs to get the 911 tape, that we will be able to present at that time that his actions were reasonable, he's got a good record as a driver, and there's no reason that his permit should be suspended. Thank you. Can you tell me the hearing on the 14th, who was that before? That would be before Julie. Okay. So this is a case that our police taxi detail is bringing to the hearing officer? Yeah. I mean, this is the summary suspension, and so it will be the same exact facts, the same. There's nothing that's changed. Sometimes there will be continuing violations or new violations in the interim between, you know, suspension and hearing, but that's not the case here. I mean, he hasn't been driving. We have no evidence that he's driven on the permit anyway, as some have. So there's no question about that. Let me just understand. The hearing officer recommends that the summary suspension and Mr. Jumanzi not receive a permanent A-card. He doesn't have an A-card now? He has a temporary one. What happens is they get a temporary pending clearance of the DOJ check, and then once that comes in, then they go to Treasurer's and get the number, the actual badge number. So when did you start driving, sir? I started driving in January. January of this year? Yes, sir. Okay. And I've been going for renewal. Officer Ron can testify for that. Each time we go, they say the system has been clogged up for the issuance of the A-card. What we need to do is keep renewing it as a temporary until when the A-card comes out. So you're going to renew your A-card when everybody else does between December and January, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. And there's a November 14th hearing scheduled before, based on charges that we are bringing before our hearing officer. 
Yeah, it would be the same. There's no, again, there's nothing to change. It'll be the same complaint. Okay. I don't know. I, I have some real questions about this. Uh, what is our weird? We are just deciding today whether or not to uphold the summary suspension, but we can't really rehear the facts of the case. Mr. Owen, can I get the, uh, just uh, without getting into the details of the case, we are hearing this morning whether or not to uphold the the summary suspension. But how do we make our decision on whether or not to uphold that summary suspension unless we can at least I have some questions as to whether this rises to the level of a suspension, and so, and I'm, I'm actually leaning toward not upholding this summary suspension based on what happens on November 14th. So, how can I make that decision without really getting a little bit more deeply into the actual facts of this case, or can I? Okay. Well, I, I've spoken a little bit about how I feel about this, and I'm not sure that this rises to the level of a suspension. I'm, I'm always troubled when there are no charges filed by the police department or by the district attorney's office, and we take it um, upon ourselves to, to do this. Now, it may turn out that, that this was a serious incident and that, that when it's heard again, there will be a recommendation for a permanent suspension. But I don't know. I'm a little uncomfortable with this, actually, and I'm not... I'm not someone who tends to overturn these decisions, but um, we had no, we don't know until much later. Usually, that the DA is not going to file charges. Just, just so you know. When the did this incident happen? October. Um, no, the hearing was October third. September ninth. Yeah. So you've been the suspension has been in place since since the October third. Yeah. So he um, was driving from the time of the incident until the, or did we suspend his permit? Sergeant Reynolds, do you know the facts of this case? Or they, yeah. uh, the he was suspended. Let's see. Yeah, let me just let him use the microphone here. Excuse me. I do not have my uh, notes with me right now, but um, the minute we became aware of it, as I explained to you today, there are three pending. The minute I work it up, the minute I, I get a complete package, then that would have been when the suspension took place. And the hearing is on the 14th, so that's two weeks from now. Do the commissioners have any thoughts about this? Is there any medical record or uh, of the uh, uh, person who was hit by his car? I don't know. That person came and testified. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he has any medical records. It looks like there isn't one, and uh, it looks like uh, driver's re record is pretty clean. I'm very reluctant to revoke his A card, really. Um, that doesn't mean that taxi driver can just drive recklessly and hit pedestrian, no doubt about that, because we have regulations about that. But also I feel uncomfortable 
just um, revoking his A card. Just to be clear, we're not actually revoking. We're, mm -hmm. we're deciding whether or not to uphold the summary suspension, which would keep his permit suspended for the next two weeks pending the outcome of... Actually, it would be pending the outcome of our decision on the hearing officer's recommendation, right? She that could, is correct. I but mean, you could also put a caveat that, I mean, you could say you, one of your rulings would be, you know, it's suspended until November 14th, and then you ask her to rule from the bench on on the complaint. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm torn between the idea that it's only two weeks more that you would be under suspension and my qualms about this, the case itself and whether it, you know, rises to the level of a revocation or suspension. Right. I have a question. If, if, if we voted to remove the suspension, even just for the two weeks, wouldn't that in some way send a message to the hearing officer that whether we did it or not on what our feelings would be? I'm just throwing that out there. I understand your point. You know, we, we haven't sat as, you know, to hear the facts of this case. We haven't heard the witnesses, we, all of that stuff, and that's what we're trying to move away from. Anyone else? Commissioner Neto, have anything to say on this? Commissioner Tom? This, you know, I, I don't understand a lot of this because, first off, I thought it's against the law to leave the scene of an accident, especially an injury accident. So I don't understand how the police didn't go farther at that time when they did arrive at the scene and talk to the witness. So there is culpability there. I mean, you know, that's driver's license 101. You don't leave the scene of an accident. And he did. Um, that always makes me a little nervous on that side of it. The other end of it, though, is this, there, there's no injury report. There's no factual basis for anything. It's like, but as you stated before, and I'm trying to clarify this in my own mind, we're not here to listen to the specifics of the case. All we're here for is to see if everything was done properly at the last level as far as the hearing officer. Did the hearing officer get all the information? Was the, was the individual represented? Um, I think that's more of our purview right here rather than making a decision on whether he's innocent, guilty, or, or whatever. So I'm a little lost at this, too. It's, it's a procedural thing for me right now. You know, is it for us that we don't have everything in front of us, that we don't have witnesses in front of us? Do we change what the hearing officer decided when they did have access to the information, when they did have the witnesses in front of them? You know, we're only hearing one one view right now. You know, I'm not hearing Mr. Gessick's version of this thing or Mr. Uh, what was that? The, you better pronounce that on your own. The, uh, yeah. The, you know, I, I just, you know, and if there was actually a confrontation. Now, I'm not one to say that 
you shouldn't be able to defend yourself. But from what this side sounds like, it wasn't defense. It was he was the aggressor. But now here we are again. We can't talk to anyone. So did the, for me, in my mind, did the hearing officer do what they were supposed to do at that time with all the information they received? That's more my thoughts on this rather than the specifics of the case. In addition to that, if I piggyback on that, I am concerned about the fact that that's going to affect someone's income. And uh, if there's anything that we could somehow make this case so that the case doesn't fall into the crack, that the driver doesn't get just upholding not getting his income. Um, I don't see any injury report. I mean, I, I do respect uh, the hearing officer's recommendations, so on and so forth, and most of the time uh, I follow um, because it sounds um, that it's realistic, but reading this, somehow it's very, it's not, it is, I, I just feel uncomfortable. It doesn't have all the facts and information that I'm looking for. <laughs> Sorry. So what do we do at this point? So I'm leaning towards not liking him not receiving permanent A card. I'd like to see him getting permanent A card, and I don't like the fact that summary suspension remains in effect because that's going to affect his income. Okay, just to be clear, we have a choice of uh, either upholding the decision and keeping the summary suspension in place or overturning the decision and lifting the suspension, in which case if we overturn her decision, we need four votes well, to do that. Is that aren't we allowed to modify also? To modify, but we also... You, you don't even have to think of it in terms of overturning the decision. Simply a certain factual situation has been presented to the hearing officer, Hearing officer has summarized those facts, presented them to you. You have to decide whether you think the public safety requires suspending this particular permit or Do we, we have to approve or disapprove? I mean, agree or disagree with it now, or can it be continued until after the? Uh, the next time we meet, Commissioner Tom, it just is the 25th of November, and he's scheduled to have a hearing on November 14th. She could have her decision, though. Yeah, if you continue it, then you are in effect Right. Right. So is he driving now? Is no. he making his income? No. See, that's what my main concern is. So if we, continue, if we continue, then he's not going to be able to get his income. So I won't, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're making a point, yes. I would just like to make on, on that particular point was that this uh, issue was scheduled to be in a prior meeting, but unfortunately we did not get sufficient notice of that. And so this matter has been continued once already. And so by continuing again, again, he is not being able to earn his livelihood. And so while it might make more sense in a bureaucratic world, in the reality, it's causing him to lose income. Thank you. Also, acknowledging all the uh, 
the violations of the rules, if you are aware of, I would definitely have him to take some training class or, you know, for how to deal with pedestrian, I mean, the pedestrian as well as general training of being a taxi driver. We do have schools and programs like that, right? Shall we grant him to continue his driving? I think that might be a little bit beyond the scope of what we need to decide here today. And given the hour, I really am going to ask for a motion if there is a motion. Can I just ask one more question? Yeah. If we were to overturn or give him back the A-card, would that A-card become a permanent A-card right out, or is that still a temporary A-card? I don't know what the status of the DOJ check is, but we try to get it through as quickly as possible. I mean, a temporary A-card is for all intents and purposes a quote-unquote permanent A-card. It's just that an actual number hasn't been issued yet. I mean, but assuming there's no problems with the permit, they're going to get a number. So, I mean, we try to work with, you know, as soon as a decision is made, you know, and it's to give him back his permit, whether it's, you know, after the 14th or the 25th when you hear the next recommendation from the hearing officer, we'll ask her to expedite her decision to make it on the calendar for the 25th. We would work with him, assuming it's to give him back, you know, to give him, let him stay in the industry and get a permanent A-card, even if it's suspended for some term of time, another month or two or whatever. We will work with the police department to make sure that the DOJ check goes through quickly and, you know, to the treasurer's office to get a number. With regards to the notice, there's factual, it's not that there was no proper notice. That's always the claim here, and there's always facts present that are negating that statement. So I have to object to that statement. I can't allow that to be on the record that my office did not do its duty. So I just want to say that. Okay. Commissioners, does anyone want to make a motion on this? Public comment. Okay. I'll take public comment for one minute. I don't need five minutes. There are no changes for a reason. Excuse me. I can't read my own writing. There are no charges for a reason. That didn't make sense, did it? There are no charges for a reason. There's no hospital report. Scams do happen, and there's no doubt about that. This commission is quick to judge. I've seen this happen before. If you've made a decision already, that is. Guilty before innocence is the protocol here. What is the basis for the hearing officer's decision? I would like to know what his thoughts are along that line. And what makes the driver not credible? Another answer I'd like. Just because he's a cabbie, this isn't how you lose cab drivers of all kinds. I think there's a lot of holes in this case that need to be addressed. Thank you. I've only got one minute. Nobody told me. Senator Reynolds, you can speak at any time. Yes, I'll make it brief. Five points I'd like to bring out. First of all, this is a brand-new driver. He just went through a 40-hour course to get a certificate. 
He went to the police department's class, eight-hour class, which Paul Makovekis emphasizes that fighting with people will not be tolerated. Apparently, that training did not register with him. Second of all, yes, there were crimes that were committed. Yes, this was sent to the Hit and Run Bureau that contacted the district attorney's office. In my two years as being in this capacity, all the cases I've brought before you, there has only been one case that's actually gone to jury trial regarding a cab driver, and that is Grasshopper. However, there have been many crimes that have occurred. The district attorney will call me on numerous occasions and say, will you handle this administratively? If you handle it administratively, we're going to drop the criminal charges. We have three misdemeanor courts in all of San Francisco. We have 500 cases coming a day. So the chances of a misdemeanor case going to a jury trial is astronomical. So you can't look at just because the DA doesn't prosecute that the crime didn't occur. Their burden is beyond a reasonable doubt. Ours is a preponderance of evidence. Three, we don't have his DOJ, or I should say four, we don't have his DOJ history back yet. What if he has prior history in other jurisdictions of assaultive behavior? I can find that out. I cannot release that information or I'm committing a crime. So, again, I have told this commission, I have told the Board of Appeals that prior behavior is a good indicator of future behavior. Until we actually find out what this man's character is like and if he's violent, it is our recommendation that suspension stay in place. Thank you. Thank you. Whoever's next, please step up. Sir. So with all due respect to Sergeant Reynolds and to the hearing officer who oversaw this case, I'm certainly not Mr. Jumanji's attorney, but I did have the opportunity to review his file, and I think that the issue here is, you know, is he fit to drive in the city? Is it safe for the city of San Francisco? And it bothers me that there's a lot of conflicting narratives and that Mr. Jumanji's, sorry for the mispronunciation, narrative was not taken into account and that the 911 call was not taken into account. The pictures that they took of Mr. Jumanji's injuries were not taken into account. And, again, you know, Mr. Jumanji takes care of a family, has a daughter. It disturbs me that with his narrative being left out of the story, that his livelihood is being removed, and I hope that the commission will take that into account when they make this decision. Thanks. Thank you. Now, in Mr. Jumanji's favor, you know, when you're dealing with the public, we all know, especially you, Paul, you are a driver, and that there are things out there that happen that, you know, if you notice, Mr. Jumanji drove away, then called 911. He was in fear of his life. You could tell that right from the beginning. And you know I was a night manager at Yellow for over seven years. And the thing is, is that he went away, he called 911, he made a report then. The police department dropped all charges. You know, they didn't file anything. So I don't see any reason why the commission should be involved with this case whatsoever. They should put this man back to work. He has a family. Please do that. You know, he's a driver, and he was in fear of his life. He did not break any laws. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Thank you. Next speaker. I'm not here to defend the driver because I have absolutely no idea of what happened. But what is abundantly clear is the whole procedure, the whole hearings are farcical. How can a hearing officer have a hearing without the 911 call? How can you sit and make judgments of the driver or of the hearing officer when you don't have the facts in front of you? What you have here is an absence of procedure. You can't do this. What you're doing is judging people when you don't have the facts. And you, in the twilight of this commission, should not be having these hearings like this. You've got to do this in either a proactive way. Hearing officer decides, and then you decide, but on all the evidence. You can't do this. Anyone else? Please step up, sir, if you want to speak. <laughs> okay. I just want to public comment is closed. I just want to clarify about the 911 tapes. What happened on that day is there was Mr. Ikaruian, you may recall him, he was the one that allegedly strangled the female in the cab. That case at one time was going to be prosecuted by the district attorney's office. So an entire investigation was worked up by the police in consultation with the district attorney's investigators. One of the pieces of evidence that was produced in that case was 911 tapes because those were a substantial factor in the facts alleged. You can recall that there were two 911 calls placed by the victim, et cetera. They were recorded, et cetera. During that time, Ms. Morgan was sitting in the audience with her client. She then came up and he told a story for the first time. For the first time, the commission heard evidence of him calling 911. We had no idea until that time, or at least I don't recall having any knowledge at that time that he had called 911 and that that was a central fact in his story. After the hearing, Ms. Morgan asked me, can I get the 911 tapes? And I said, well, this is highly unusual that we would have these. This is only there, and I stated what I just said. Then I agreed to help her because I thought that the request would go quicker. This is my recollection of it, that it would go quicker if it came through my office because I'm a government agency dealing with another government agency. In fact, it has to go through Sergeant Reynolds. So Ms. Morgan and myself communicated to get the proper information. As you know, I was out of town. Today, we finally have the information, so we will now be requesting the tapes. We will be doing that. There's no hiding information. There's no us trying to take advantage of anyone. That is what occurred. That is my recollection of what occurred. So we, again, these are administrative hearings. 911 tapes are not a pattern and practice of these hearings. And, you know, again, it's the defendant's burden to produce evidence if they believe that they have evidence that exonerates them of what's alleged. That is not our burden to both produce evidence of a situation and then produce evidence to exonerate a defendant. That's not our burden. So I just want to clarify that there's nothing untoward about what happened here. Everyone's doing exactly what they need to be doing. And, you know, this is my recollection. Again, the exact timelines and dates, you know, we're doing the best we can in there. So I'm happy to get, I'm happy to make this request and to expedite the process as quickly as we can. 
we're one government agency talking to another, so we'll do that. There's something good to add. Go I just, I'm just going to address one issue. Your Honor, in the police report, it says he called 911 on his cell phone. I, being the police report, checked the phone log, and a call to 911 had been placed at 1107. That's in the police report that was given to us by the Taxi Commission. And what, I think what, it has been confirmed that we are not able to get that tape. Thank you. We're just talking about the transcripts, not the fact that a call was made, but the actual written out transcripts. That's what we're talking about here. So I just want to clarify that. Or playing tapes, et cetera. That, that type of evidence is, is what we're talking about. So. Sergeant, would you like to add something? When I interviewed the uh, suspect in this case, we did talk about that. And his statements to me at that time said that there was no relevancy in that phone call. Um, so that's why I never ordered it because of what he told me in the interview. Now that it's become an issue after our hearing, I will more than happily help them get this. But I just want to let you know, in my 29 years of being a police officer, this is the first time I've ever been asked by defense to provide them with discovery. They have a proper procedure and protocol where they can go to 850 Bryant Street, the legal division, and put in all the proper papers and they can get it themselves. This is unheard of, and as a matter of fact, I think it's a violation of our rules that I do it. That's why Jordana is the one that is asking for it. So I just want to let you know that that that, that is not our policy to get this uh, discovery for defense. Okay, and we're not, our staff is not asking you to do that, right? That was a request made by Jordana is that, in fact, that we do get this information for the defense counsel because they're saying it's exculpatory in nature. And if that's the case, we definitely want to see it. Sure. I'm trying to help. Sure. sure. We are all trying to help here. So sure. to come in now and to, you know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's just, we're trying to assist here. It's our duty. It, look, if we have evidence that is exculpatory, and I know no one is going to believe me in the audience, but if we have evidence that is exculpatory, we're going to look at that as equally as we're going to look at evidence of guilt. That is our duty, as my duty as a public official. And we take it seriously in the office. I know Sergeant Reynolds does his many years in the office, and I do as well. So we're going to make the request regardless. So, Absolutely. Okay. We need to have a motion on this, either to uphold the suspension or to modify or change the decision recommendation. Well, <laughs> you want to go and speak at once now? I'll uh, make a motion to to not to uphold summary suspension. To lift the summary. To lift the summary suspension. The outcome of the yes. hearing. Yes. If I. Is there That's a my motion. I'll second that. So we have a motion and a second to lift the summary suspension pending the outcome of the hearing on November 14th. Mm -hmm. Take a roll call vote. You want me to take a roll call vote? Yes. Okay. Commissioner Neto. Yes. Commissioner Pack. Yes. Commissioner Gillespie. Yes. Commissioner Suval. Yes. Commissioner Tom. Yes. Okay, the motion passes. So the suspension will be lifted. There will be a hearing on November 14th. We're going to make this request for the um, documents, and as they may be exculpatory in nature, um, we would appreciate defense counsel acknowledging that we're doing that instead of 
the contrary. Uh, additionally, we'll proceed on the 14th, and it'll be the same complaint. Um, I'll be sending you a copy. No substantive changes, so the notice issue is not relevant. I think we can agree to that. Is that correct? That there's no issue with the 30 days notice and whatever because it's this yes. is at the request. Yeah, we've, we've already agreed to the 14th. Yes. So just so that's clear and on the record uh, that there's uh, no notice issues. Okay. okay. Can I make a rec recommendation to Mr. Uh, Kingsley Simmons? Uh, you probably realize the whole process and regulations and rules and that that has to be really remembered for you as a driver, as an eligible driver who whose conduct that you have to remember what you have to do with passenger as well as with pedestrian. So with this experience, I just hope that you will make a driver with a very clean record from now on, and I'll be look, uh, looking forward to working with you in the future. So I just want to say that this, this is a privilege I will, for you. Thank you, Commissioner Pack. I don't, you don't need a response, sir, but I think hopefully you'll get the point. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay, it's 1.30. We have two more agenda items, and I really you know, can't take this uh, meeting until that much longer. So what I want to do is continue item six. Uh, this is a sort of a summary of, of the status of the Clean Air Taxi Program. It's very important and relevant information that's involved in here, and we want to have a public hearing on this at our, at our next meeting. So I'm just going to simply continue that. We will go to item, agenda item number seven, though, because I know that this is an extremely large topic, and it's going to be uh, subject to some questions and clarifications and a lot of detailed work as far as getting this uh, implemented. But I do want to allow Jordana time today to just introduce this topic. This is uh, agendized for information only. It will require further uh, resolutions from this taxi commission and even the Board of Supervisors. So, But, Jordana, I want you to sort of keep in mind that Sure, there is absolutely. sort of a, a time constraint here, so if you could just briefly introduce the scope of, of what this information is and what the uh, subsequent uh, actions that will need to be. Uh, sure. So um, basically, uh, the Taxi Commission is governed um, by several bodies of law, as we know, the rules and regulations being at the lowest level. Next, the Municipal Police Code Article 16 and other provisions of the um, business and tax code also pertain to permits with regards to the industry. Um, additionally, of course, uh, we have state law, and that includes the vehicle code, and that includes some government code sections, including a new one, which uh, Tom Owen referenced in a memorandum attached to my staff report that's pertaining to the illegal taxi cab bill, Senate Bill 1519. Um, that's a, a different issue. One of the main provisions of the government code, in fact, the main provision of the government code that pertains to the taxi industry in California is government code 53075.5. Now, what this provides is uh, for drug and alcohol screening for drivers. And I know it's a topic that... Um, people don't really like to talk about. I've brought it up with a couple members of the industry and, um, you know, uh, I've received a mixed uh, reception depending on the class of permittee that I'm speaking to. Color scheme holders um, have a, a strong interest in, in obtaining compliance with this because they want to make sure that people operating the cabs are not doing so under the influence of drugs and alcohol. 
Um, an example of what can occur is attached in that William Hunger complaint, for example, which is attached to my staff report. So it's clear that we're not in compliance in San Francisco. And in fact, we are the only jurisdiction in the state of California that is not in compliance. And that is not, I, I, that's not acceptable. Um, <laughs> I, I can't really say it any plainer than that. Uh, we need to bring ourselves into compliance. And so what I would like to do is um, I, I would like for the, the commission to enact a broad uh, resolution, um, and I won't go into the, the um, details of all the memorandum that I attached, but basically uh, the resolution that's first basically just provides that, um, you know, the city attorney would prepare legislation that would bring it into compliance. It will be a longer process of collaboration with the color schemes and with the uh, Board of Supervisors, assuming we do not merge with MTA, um, to effectuate an actual policy to do this and effectuate legislation that would, that would do this. But there's no question that it has to be done. And um, I've spoken to City Attorney Owen about it, and apparently, um, it, it, well, we know it's been in place since 96, 1996, so that predates the formation of the commission. Um, the police commission should have enacted laws, or rather should have, uh, um, the board of supervisors should have enacted laws and altered provisions of the police code and the business and tax code that would um, address this issue back in 1996 when the police commission was still regulating taxi cabs. It did not do so. When the commission was enacted in 1998, it, apparently it was brought to the attention of the commission. The commission did not enact laws. Um, and we, I've received a lot of phone calls about this issue from other jurisdictions. They want to know why San Francisco is out on a limb and not in, in compliance on this issue. And I don't really have an answer for them other than, you know, there's been turnover in, in my department, as you know, uh, something like a 250% turnover in four years or whatever it is. So some of the institutional knowledge gets lost every time. Um, but now that we're aware of it, I mean, I just really think we need to do something about it. I would note one issue, um, again, not going through the whole thing, but um, one issue is that it references, yet again, we have a definition of, or rather a reference to employee and independent contractor in this government code section. Specifically, if a driver is an employee of a color scheme, quote unquote, then the uh, company is supposed to pay for the drug testing, which by the way is about 20 bucks. So we're not talking about a huge amount of money. Um, if the driver is an independent contractor, however, then the driver shall pay for it, and the results are to be sent directly to the city agency overseeing taxi cab regulation. Um, naturally, we would take steps to protect the privacy of that information. Um, so uh, you know, basically, an entire administrative program needs to be set up around this issue. There's no question. It's not going to happen overnight, but it does need to happen, and we need to do something about it. Um, of course, there is yet again that definition, which the code doesn't say which definition we're supposed to use of independent contractor and employee, but I presume that, you know, most everyone, I presume the color schemes would argue that everyone's an independent contractor for purposes of this uh, regulation, and some drivers might try to argue that they're employees, but I think that they would be considered independent contractors most likely for purposes of this, although I could be wrong. So... That's about it. I, I won't go into the full thing. I did some other memos here, um, you know, just 
just regarding some, uh, I, you know, we have contact, Paul and I have been to these conferences and we talk to a lot of people, other regulators, other companies in other parts of the state and all over the country and we talk to them about what their regulators are doing and, you know, what how they get a color scheme permit at the outset and, uh, you know, basically we're the most open entry that there is in the entire country, which is good in one sense, but it could be tightened up. So those are just some recommendations, and we can obviously have much more discussions. This is draft, completely draft, so it's not intended to be, you know, the law of the land. Thank you. And, again, I apologize that we're not giving this the full amount of time that we need to today because of the sure. schedule, because I think there are a lot of uh, issues involved here. I've talked to people around the country. It was a law that was passed before this commission was in place, and I've had conversations over the years from various members of the industry saying that we were in compliance. I mean, Sergeant Simpson told me at one time that, that we were in compliance given our ability to do testing. Um, I'm not, I guess I'm not totally convinced that we're the only jurisdiction in California that is not doing this. I, I, I see hardly any regulation of taxis in so many jurisdictions that I'm, I guess I'm not completely convinced that uh, we stand alone here. But it is a serious issue, and it's an issue that exists in state law that we need to uh, get our taxi commission uh, in compliance with, as, as Jordana stated. So uh, I have some questions as to how this is going to be administered. I, I, I want people to get every opportunity to pass and to, cons to continue to be taxi drivers and not to have permit holders or drivers uh, lose their livelihoods over this, but it is a, a serious issue that we need to resolve. So I apologize that it's not going to be dealt with in full today, but I want to re-agendize this actually for our November, November 24th or 5th meeting because uh, we're not going to be able to give it justice here today. So are there any public comment on this item? I'll take that now. And again, I'm sorry, but I need to go to work today and other people have to do things, so I'm going to limit it to one minute. Uh, good afternoon, Commissioners. I would point out that we can start renewing permits next month, November. So you're not going to do anything before that period. The most difficult issue is the city. It's not us, it's the city. The city decided that every driver was an independent contractor and has made each of us pay $25 or $50 or whatever. Now, we at Yellow are thinking of suing the city over this because as permit holders we are affiliated to Yellow and how can we be independently in business and be paying business taxes, etc., etc.? But that's a side issue. Apparently, the city has to decide how to resolve this before you can. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, Charles Strathman on behalf of Luxor Cab. And uh, obviously, uh, one minute, we can't begin to address this. But I would just ask that uh, when this matter does come for a fuller discussion, that it be agendized in a way that uh, recognizes that there are a number of really substantive items uh, buried in this and uh, I would imagine that many people who looked at this agenda uh, bring San Francisco into compliance have no idea of the extent of the uh, changes that are actually being discovered uh, being discussed here and 
I won't even begin to try to discuss them today, but I hope that we have ample opportunity to discuss all of them and not just sort of a one blanket, let's get into compliance. Thank you. Yeah. And I apologize, too, because I was away in Florida this week, and I didn't, Jordana put a lot of work into this memo, and I haven't really had an opportunity to, you know, look at it as extensively as I had. And you have my vow that when this is heard, it will be a full hearing and three minutes for public comment. So next speaker. Let's see. What I see here is a blank check. The top lights of taxis is a law, too, that's never been enforced. I believe this commission has never been in compliance with the rules and regulations. From the very beginning to the very end, never furthered the interests of the general public, never been transparent, never accountable, and hardly ever operated in good faith. Never maintained a tracking system to measure your own mandated service goals. And now you kick the ball to the MTA, to OCA and Heineke, who are tax commissioners, two of the worst commissioners, I might add. Rather than follow the rules, you want to change them to conform to the level of your competency. Dumbing down the process is not the right fix here. What do they do in San Jose? We're going to we have a phone bridge comment that we want to take. Are we prepared to do that now tomorrow? OK, I'm going to take this next, Marty. We have a person with mobility issues. Go ahead, Rua. We're getting some feedback. Hang on just a second. OK, now we're going to say something and make sure we can hear you. OK, thank you. This is Rua Grafis, and I'm coming to you today speaking from the Taxi Driver Institute. But I am speaking as a member of the United Taxi Network. I think that drug tests are a wonderful idea as long as they only test what the driver is doing when they are driving. Drug tests don't do that the way they are currently constituted. If someone is taking some drug on their own time, that's not the business of the Taxi Commission. So I am against drug tests as they are currently constituted. As far as driver's permits ending at the end of their employment with a particular company, that's not the way we've done business in the city for years. It would mean that drivers would have to be coming back to school over and over again. Rua, I'm sorry, your time is up, and it's really, the whole connection is not really happening very well here, but you have my word that this is not the last time this will be discussed, and you'll have more than enough opportunity to comment on this. Yeah, sir. Okay, sorry, Marty. My comments are on the next time we speak about this subject, and there are several things in this 
on these rules, the, the state rules, that the state, we shouldn't even be going, I said this before, the, the, uh, the rules committee, that we shouldn't even be bothering with state rules because of the pull notice system is one of the things that, that comes up with this. And our insurance company does that already. Now, if we had to do it again, it would cost thousands and thousands of dollars to, to Luxor if we had to do it twice. So what the, are you referring to? The, the pull notice. That's one of the things that comes up in this. In, in pull, pull notice? Pull notice okay. system, yeah. I mean, we, our insurance company has the requester number. We don't need to go get a requester number. They, you know, since they have it already, they're running our drivers, and they get the pull notices, and they notify us if we have, uh, you know, there's questionable drivers and things like this. So, you know, when we do this again, let's consider, all the, you know, get really deep into it so we know that these rules you know, could be done. Yes, I agree. Thank you. Bashir Rahimi, go ahead. I'm smiling. Thank you very much for your smiling, <laughs> Mr. President. Uh, now, from now on, you'll learn when somebody calls you your honor, you will be 100% proven whatever he wants to request. According to rule and regulations, uh, uh, commissioners, there's one thing that really bothers me. I give you examples, sir. Uh, one person is a medallion owner and been working in your community since 1982 to present times, have four kids, and he revoked his medallions and his permits, and the other guy been in here two months and kicked up the pedestrian and hurting a, a, a fellow citizens, and he gave him his permits back. Sir, I believe your rural regulations, when the way you're doing is I'm feeling it's not fair. If you want to be graspable, be graspable to everybody, not for one person, not to the other person, let them go. You know, the, the, that's the way it makes me feel to apologize for Jordana Techpence. Whatever she is, she's always graspable to everybody. Okay, thank you very much. Right. I'm not sure that was on topic, but is there anyone else who would like to comment on this? Okay, public comment is closed. Jordana, is there anything else you'd like to say about this? I know that, I'd, you know, we're not giving this at all. It's Jude. It's okay. Uh, justice, and but we we will reschedule this, and this is an ongoing thing. And I I urge all the commissioners to read you know very closely the memo, and uh, if you have any questions on this, we can raise it at our next. And I'll separate it uh, out next time, um, you know, for the government code section, and then also the color scheme permits. That that really is a separate issue. I just included it in there because it's somewhat relevant. Because if the color schemes are you know permitting drivers. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it, but it, that's why I include it like that. But I'll separate it out next time. Okay. Okay, I guess next item, do we need to call public comment again? No. Anyone who didn't? We just had the one special order public comment, right? Yeah. Okay, that was so. Next item is nominated. Adjournment. Meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Happy Halloween, everyone. Be safe tonight. SFG TV, San Francisco Government and Television.